After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'uz, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalib al-Masih the fifth, Ayyad al ibn Salaziz stated, I will continue to narrate accounts of the lives of the Badri companions. The name of the companion that I will mention today is Hazrat Asim bin Adi. Hazrat Asim's father's name was Adi, and he belonged to the tribe of Banu Ajlan bin Haritha, who were the confederates of the tribe of Banu Zaid bin Malik. Hazrat Asim was the leader of the Banu Ajlan and was the brother of Hazrat Ma'an bin Adi. The title of Hazrat Asim is reported as Abu Bakr. While according to other narrations, he also bore the titles of Abu Abdullah, Abu Umar and Abu Amr. Hazrat Asim was of average height and he used to apply henna to his hair. Hazrat Asim's son's name was Abul Barda. Hazrat Asim's daughter's name was Sahla, who was married to Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf, and they had four children, three sons, Ma'an, Umar, and Zaid, and one daughter, Abdul Rahman Sugra. When the Holy Prophet was about to depart for the Battle of Badr, he appointed Hazrat Asim bin Adi at the Emir over Aliya, which is the upper part of Quba and Medina. According to one narration, the Holy Prophet sent Hazrat Asim back from a place called Roha and instead appointed him as the Emir over Aliya, i.e., the upper part of Medina. The Holy Prophet sent Hazrat Asim back, but he counted him among the companions of Badr and fixed a portion of the spoils of war for him. In Seer Khatman Nabiyin by Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib, the details of this incident are recorded as follows. Upon departing from Medina, the Holy Prophet ﷺ appointed Abdullah bin Ummi Maktoun as the Emir of Medina in his absence. However, when the Holy Prophet ﷺ reached close to Roha, which is situated at a distance of 36 miles from Medina, perhaps in the consideration that Abdullah was a blind man and news of the imminent arrival of the army of the Quraysh demanded that in his own absence the administration of Medina should remain strong, the Holy Prophet appointed Abu Lababa bin Mundir as the Emir of Medina and sent him back. It was ordered that Abdullah bin Umm Maktoun would only remain as the Imam of Salat, while Abu Lababa would oversee matters of administration. 
Asim bin Adi was appointed as a separate emir to oversee the additional population of Medina, i.e. Quba. Hazrat Asim participated in all the battles alongside the Holy Prophet ﷺ, including the battles of Badr and Uhud. Hazrat Asim passed away in 45 Hijri in Medina during the rule of Hazrat Muawiyah. He was 115 years old at the time. According to some, he passed away at the age of 120. When the time of the demise of Hazrat Asim drew closer, the members of his household started to cry. Upon this he said, Do not cry for me, as I have lived my life and have had a long life. When the Holy Prophet ﷺ ordered the companions to prepare for the Battle of Tabuk, he also advised the affluent ones to offer wealth and mounts in the way of Allah. Upon this, Various people offered sacrifices according to their means. At this occasion, Hazrat Abu Bakr brought all of his wealth, which amounted to 4,000 dirhams. The Holy Prophet asked Hazrat Abu Bakr whether he had left anything for the members of his household, to which he replied that he had left Allah and his Messenger for them. Hazrat Umar brought half of the wealth of his home. The Holy Prophet ﷺ inquired of Hazrat Umar, Did you leave anything behind for your family as well? Upon this he replied, I left half of it behind. On this occasion, Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf gave 100 awqiyah. One awqiyah is equivalent to 40 dirham. Following this, the Holy Prophet ﷺ said, Uthman bin Affan and Abdul Rahman bin Auf are from among the treasures of Allah the exalted on earth, who spend for the sake of Allah's pleasure. Women also presented their jewellery on this occasion. Hazrat Asim bin Adi, the companion who is currently being mentioned, presented 70 wasq of dates. One wasq is, consists of 60 sa, and one sa is equivalent to two and a half seer, or two and a half kilos. Hence, according to this, the total weight of the dates was 262 man. One man is approximately 40 seer, which is a measuring unit in Pakistan, which is equivalent to 38 or 39 kilos. Nevertheless, Hazrat Asim also contributed dates in a large quantity. Hazrat Asim bin Adi was among those companions who were commanded by the Holy Prophet ﷺ to destroy Masjid Zirad. The details of this have been mentioned in the following manner. Hazrat Ibn Abbas narrates that Banu Amr bin Auf built the Quba Mosque and sent a message to the Holy Prophet ﷺ requesting him to come to the mosque and offer prayers. When some individuals from Banu Ghanim bin Auf saw this mosque, they said that they will also construct a mosque just like the Banu Amr. Abu Amir Fasik, who was a severe opponent and mischievous person, said that they should build a mosque and store therein as many weapons as possible. His intention was to make it a hub for creating mischief. He said, I am going to see the Caesar, the Byzantine king, and will return with an army and exile the Holy Prophet ﷺ and his companions from here. Once the mosque was completed, these people went to the Holy Prophet ﷺ and said that they had constructed a mosque for the convenience of the elderly and the physically impaired, as they were not able to travel far in order to offer their prayers. Along with this, they also requested the Holy Prophet ﷺ to come and lead the prayers in this mosque. The Holy Prophet ﷺ replied, At present, I am occupied in the preparations to embark on a journey. He was preparing to go on a journey. Once we return, I will, inshallah, God willing, lead prayers there.
This was the journey for the Battle of Tabuk. After returning from the Battle of Tabuk, the Holy Prophet ﷺ stayed in a place called the Aun, which is approximately one hour away from Medina. There he received a revelation about Masjid Dirar, which is mentioned in Surah Tawbah in the Holy Quran as follows. وَالَّذِينَ اتَّخَذُوا مَسْجِدًا دِرَارًا وَكُفْرًا وَتَفْرِيقًا بَيْنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَإِرْصَادًا لِمَنْ حَارَبَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ مِنْ قَبْلِ لَيَحْلِفُنَّ إِنْ أَرَدْنَا إِلَّا الْحُسْنَى وَاللَّهُ يَشْهَدُ إِنَّهُمْ لَكَاذِبُونَ Meaning And among the hypocrites are those who have built a mosque in order to injure Islam and help disbelief and cause division among the believers and prepare an ambush for him who warred against Allah and his messenger before this. And they will surely swear, we meant nothing but God. But Allah bears witness that they are certainly liars. Following this, the Holy Prophet ﷺ called Malik bin Dukhsham and Ma'an bin Adi and ordered them to destroy Masjid Dirar. In some narrations, it is also mentioned that the Holy Prophet ﷺ also sent Hazrat Asim bin Adi, Amr bin Sakan, Wahshi, who martyred Hazrat Hamza and Suwaid bin Abbas for this purpose. In Sharah Zarqani, it is written that it is possible that the Holy Prophet ﷺ initially sent two individuals and then sent another four individuals in order to help them. The Holy Prophet ﷺ told them to go to Masjid Dirar and destroy it by burning it to the ground. He says that all of them quickly reached the tribe of Banu Salim, which was a tribe of Hazrat Malik bin Dukhshim. Hazrat Malik said to Hazrat Ma'an to give him some time so that he could bring some fire from his house. Hence, he lit a dry date branch and brought it from his home. Following this, they reached Masjid Dirar between Maghrib and Isha, set it on fire and tore it down. I have previously mentioned some of this incident in relation to Hazrat Malik and Dukhsham as well. Nevertheless, those who had constructed the mosque were present at that time. However, after it had been set on fire, they ran away. When the Holy Prophet ﷺ returned to Medina, he wished to give the plot of the mosque to Asim bin Adi, the companion who is being mentioned, so that he may build his house there. However, Asim bin Adi apologized and said that he, he will not take the plot as Allah the Exalted has already revealed what he has revealed in relation to it. That is, it has become a place where Allah the Exalted was not pleased with what was constructed there. Therefore, he did not wish to take it. Hence, the Holy Prophet ﷺ gave it to Thabit and Akram, who did not have a home. As a matter of fact, Asim bin Adi said that since he has a home and was also reluctant, therefore he apologized and said it would be better if it was given to Thabit bin Akram, as he did not have a home and could build one there. Hence, the Holy Prophet ﷺ gave the mosque, or the plot of land of Masjid Zirar, to Thabit bin Akram. According to Ibn Ishaq, the names of the hypocrites who constructed the mosque of Zirar is as follows Khazain bin Khalid, Mu'tab bin Qushair, Abu Habiba bin Azar, Abad bin Hunayf, Jariya bin Amir, and both of his sons, Mujemma bin Jariya and Zaid bin Jariya, Nufail bin Haris, Yakhzil bin Usman Badiya. So these were the people who were with Abu Amir Rahib, whom the Holy Prophet had labelled as Fasid. Once the Promised Messiah was travelling, when he saw the Jami Mosque in Delhi, which is a beautiful mosque, he stated, True beauty of mosques is not in their construction. Rather, it is with those people who offer prayers sincerely. He said, Otherwise, all these mosques remain deserted. 
at the time many mosques had been abandoned. The Prophet's mosque was very small. The Prophet Messiah further states, The roof of the Holy Prophet's mosque was made of leaves of date palm trees. In the beginning and even later on, rainwater would pour in from the top during rainstorms. The soul of a mosque is connected with those who offer prayers within it. During the time of the Holy Prophet certain worldly people also constructed a mosque, which was demolished as per God's instructions. The name of this mosque was Masjid Dirar, meaning a mosque that causes harm and was demolished. He further states, In regards to the construction of mosques, the commandment is that they should be constructed with righteousness in hearts. Hence, this is the real essence of mosques. Nowadays, there is a group of Muslims who are inclined towards the construction of more mosques, and it is a strange occurrence that they became motivated towards this after the advent of the Promised Messiah Whether they had the opportunity at the time, or whether they built up the courage, or they became inclined towards worshipping God, or even towards the outward aspect of worship, all of this took place after the Promised Messiah's claim. They built very beautiful mosques. But despite this, nowadays, especially in countries like Pakistan, etc., some of them have called for paying more attention to populating mosques, whereas their mosques are devoid of righteousness. The verses of the Holy Quran that mention about God's commandment to demolish Masjid Dirar are followed with verses containing clear guidance that a true mosque is one where the foundations of it are based on righteousness. However, Non-Ahmadi scholars have understood righteousness to be the act of speaking ill of the Promised Messiah in their mosques or to use foul and vulgar language against him and verbally abuse the Jamaat. It does not end here. Instead, every so often there are incidents of people abusing each other verbally due to internal discourse about who will lead prayers due to differences between the sects. Nowadays it is common that such events in mosques about disturbances, chaos and abuse go viral. Hence, all these things point towards the fact that they lack in righteousness and they are not fulfilling the due rights of their mosques. As Ahmadis, we should learn from their actions and we should strive to ensure that our mosques are based on righteousness. We ought to enter our mosques to populate them while giving precedence to righteousness and this is in fact the true essence. If this is established and as long as this is kept in mind, we will continue to receive the bounties of Allah the Almighty, God willing. About this, Hazrat Khalif al-Masih the first, radiallahu anhu, states, Liman harab Allah. He expounds on this further by stating, This refers to Abu Amir, who was a Christian. One of his plans was to have the Holy Prophet offer prayers in that mosque, and in this way, some Muslims would start doing the same as well, and hence, he planned to cause a rift between the Muslims. Abu Amir had a dream, which he related to others, in which he said, I saw the Holy Prophet passed away in a state of being rejected and being all by himself, heaven forbid. When the Holy Prophet heard of this, he stated, This is a true dream, and he is right, meaning that his dream was true, in that he had seen his own state, and that is exactly what transpired. He did not mention his name, and Hazrat Khalifa Masih I, radiallahu anhu, writes, There was something deeply profound in not mentioning his name, in that in the future if anyone repeated the same action, then they would face similar consequences, and we are witnessing even today similar fate of the opponents. The second companion who will be mentioned is Hazrat Amr bin Auf. 
we find that his name is recorded as Umar as well. His father's name was Auf and his title was Abu Amr. He was born in Mecca and according to Ibn Sa'd, he was from Yemen. Historians, authors and narrators of Ahadith have provided different viewpoints about his actual name and there is a lot of discrepancy in the narrations regarding this. Imam Bukhari, Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Sa'd, Alama Ibn Abdul Bar, Alama Ibn Asir Jazri, etc. all have mentioned his name as Amr, whereas Ibn Hisham, Musa bin Uqba, Abu Ma'shir, Muhammad, Amr Waqdi mentioned his name as Umair. Alama Badruddin Aini and Alama Ibn Hajar Asqalani, both of whom have written commentaries of Sahih Bukhari, state that Amr bin Auf and Umair bin Auf are both names of the same person. According to Imam Bukhari, Hazrat Amr bin Auf Ansari was a confederate of the Quraysh tribe called Banu Amr bin Loy, whereas Ibn Hisham and Ibn Sa'd have mentioned him to be from the family of Banu Amr bin Loy. Alama Badruddin Aini, a commentator of Bukhari, has inferred from this by joining these two narrations and stating In actuality, Hazrat Amr bin Auf was from the Ansari tribe of Aus or Khazraj. He visited Mecca and stayed there as well and became an ally of some of the people living there. Hence, in this regard, he was an Ansari as well as a Muhajir. Hazrat Amr bin Auf was one of the early converts to Islam. Hazrat Amr bin Auf stayed in the home of Hazrat Kulthum bin Al-Hidm in Quba during the migration from Makkah to Medina. He participated in all the battles alongside the Holy Prophet ﷺ, including the battles of Badr, Uhud and Khandak. He passed away during the caliphate of Hazrat Umar, who subsequently led his funeral prayer. The next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Ma'an bin Adi. Hazrat Ma'an was a confederate of the Banu Amr bin Auf tribe of the Ansar. Hazrat Ma'an was a brother of Hazrat Asim bin Adi. Hazrat Ma'an has previously been mentioned in reference to his brother. Hazrat Ma'an took part in bayt akbar along with 70 Ansar. Hazrat Ma'an was able to write in Arabic prior to his acceptance of Islam. This was at a time when very few people could write Arabic. Hazrat Ma'an took part in all the battles alongside the Holy Prophet ﷺ, including the battles of Badr, Uhud and Khandak. When Hazrat Zaid bin Khattab migrated from Makkah to Medina, the Holy Prophet ﷺ established a bond of brotherhood between him and Hazrat Ma'an bin Adi. Hazrat Umar relates, Upon the demise of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, I went to Hazrat Abu Bakr and asked him to come with me to meet our Ansar brothers. Thus we both went and two pious individuals from among them met us who had participated in the Battle of Badr. I related this to Urwa bin Zubair and he said that these two individuals were Hazrat Uwain bin Saida and Hazrat Ma'an bin Adi. This narration of Hazrat Umar which I have just quoted has been explained in further details in the narration of Bukhari. I will present a part of that narration here. Hazrat Ibn Abbas relates, I used to teach the Holy Quran to some individuals from among the Muhajireen, and one of them was Abdurrahman bin Auf. 
Once I was at his house in Mina while he had gone to see Umar bin Khattab This incident occurred on the occasion of the last Hajj performed by Hazrat Umar. When Abdul Rahman returned, he said to me that he wished that I was also present today to witness the individual who came to Amir al-Mu'mineen and said, O Amir al-Mu'mineen, have you heard what a certain individual has said who claims that if Umar passed away, he will do bayt of so-and-so? In other words, this person was making a claim that during Hazrat Umar's Khilafat, wherein he said that after him, he will do the bayt of such and such individual. He also said that he swears by Allah that the bayat of Abu Bakr was done in a hasty manner. Moreover, he stated that God forbid Hazrat Abu Bakr's bayat was done in a hasty manner and in fact he was mistakenly granted the status of Khilafat. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Umar became greatly aggrieved and said, If Allah wills, I shall stand among the people today and will warn them of those who seek to forcefully take others' affairs into their own hands. Abdurrahman then stated, O Amir al-Mu'mineen, please do not do this, because many ignorant and mischievous people have also gathered there at Hajj. And so when you stand amongst the people, these people will gather around you. And I fear that they may completely distort what you say and propagate something that is untrue. And people will neither be able to properly comprehend your message and nor properly adhere to it in accordance to the situation. Abdurrahman then presented his suggestion to Hazrat Umar that he should wait until he reached Medina as it was the days of Hajj. And since Medina was the place where the Holy Prophet ﷺ migrated to and established many of his sunnah, therefore he will be able to take the learned and noble people separate and say whatever he desired to say to them. He further said that the learned and wise people would indeed listen to him and also act upon what he said according to the appropriate conditions and circumstances, and instead they will not offer their own interpretations. Hazrat Umar then stated, Very well, by God, if Allah wills, I will mention this in my first sermon that I will stand to deliver upon my return. Hazrat Ibn Abbas further relates, We arrived in Medina towards the end of Dhul Hijjah, and on the Friday, as soon as the sun set a little from the zenith, we quickly proceeded to the mosque for the Friday prayer. Upon arriving, I saw Sa'id bin Zayd sat near the pulpit, and I went and sat next to him. My knee touched his knee. Hazrat ibn Abbas is narrating this account in detail here. After a short while, Hazrat Umar bin Khattab came out, and as I saw him coming, I said to Sa'id bin Zayd that today, Hazrat Umar would say something which he had never said before since he had become Khalifa. Sayyid bin Zaid, the companion who was sat next to him, deemed what I said to be very strange and said that he did not expect Hazrat Umar to say something which he had never said previously. Hazrat Umar took his seat on the pulpit and when the person calling the azan finished, he stood up and offered praise to Allah as is befitting to his honour. Thereafter he said, I am about to say something which was ordained for me to say. I know not whether the time of my demise is near as I say this. Therefore, whosoever among you is able to clearly comprehend what I say and is able to remember it well should convey this as far as one's camel can take them, i.e. in other words, one should convey this accurately as widely as possible to others. However, whomsoever among you fears that he has perhaps not fully understood this, then I do not deem it permissible for such a person to utter falsehood in relation to me, i.e. to not convey something that is incorrect. Thereafter, Hazrat Umar stated, 
Allah the Almighty sent Muhammad with the truth and revealed to him the laws of the Sharia. Hazrat Umar then mentioned some of those commandments. This is a very lengthy hadith and I shall leave out some of the details. Hazrat Umar then stated, Listen carefully. The Holy Prophet also stated to not excessively praise him, just as people had done so in the case of Jesus, son of Mary. The Holy Prophet stated that regarding him, they should say that he is a servant of Allah and his messenger. Hazrat Umar then said, I have been informed that there is someone from among you who states that Hazrat Abu Bakr was granted the mantle of Khilafat by mere chance. Hazrat Umar continued, This individual also stated that by God, if Umar were to die, I would do the birth of such and such person. Hazrat Umar then first addressed the statement made in regards to Hazrat Abu Bakr. He stated, Let me make it clear that no one should remain in any doubt that Hazrat Abu Bakr was mistakenly elected to Khilafat in a hasty manner. Listen carefully. His bed was indeed carried out in similar conditions, i.e. in a hastily manner. But God Almighty granted protection from any evil outcome of it. Perhaps the incident took place in a hastily manner, but God Almighty safeguarded them from any evil outcome. Moreover, there is none among you the like of Abu Bakr, for whom people would travel on camels in order to meet him, i.e. there is no one who can match his scholarly excellence, sincerity and righteousness. Then there are some further details in relation to this incident, which have been mentioned further. Hazrat Umar then stated, Anyone who takes the bath without having done mutual consultation with the Muslims, no one should take the bath of such a person. In other words, the bath of Hazrat Abu Bakr was done after much consultation. Also, not only should one not do the bath of such a person, but also of the person who pledges his bath, such person's hand for this will be the cause for them to perish. Hazrat Umar then narrated, that the actual account and said when Allah the Almighty caused the Holy Prophet ﷺ to pass away the Ansar began to oppose us we all gathered at Thaqifah Banu Sa'idah including the Muhajireen Ali, Zubair as well as those who were against us we all went to Hazrat Abu Bakr and I said to him that let us go to our Ansar brothers We were discussing about them whilst on our way to them. And when we reached nearby, we met two pious men from among them. In the earlier narration that I mentioned, it stated that Hazrat Ma'an bin Adi was one of the two pious men. In any case, Hazrat Umar continues to further relate the incident. These two individuals we met informed us of the decision regarding which all the Ansar had unanimously agreed upon. They said, O Mahajireen, where do you wish to go? We told them that we wished to see our Ansar brothers. However, these two individuals, one of whom was Hazrat Ma'an bin Adi, said, Do not go there. It would be better for you not to meet them. And whatever it was that you wished to discuss with them, just consult it amongst ourselves. Hazrat Umar states, I said, By God, we will certainly go to them. And having said this, we continued on and went straight into one of the large canopies of the Banu Sa'idah. Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar then had a lengthy discussion with the Ansar on the subject of the election of Khilafat. 
Hazrat Muslimah has mentioned this incident in some detail, which I will quote. In regards to the Ansar who were sat at the Thaqifa Banu Sa'ida, Hazrat Muslimah states, Upon the demise of the Holy Prophet three groups formed among the companions. One of the groups was of the opinion that after the Holy Prophet there should be someone who will continue the Islamic system. However, who could understand this better than the members from the family members of the Holy Prophet Therefore, someone should be appointed from among them. They believe that someone from among the progeny of the Holy Prophet should be appointed and not from any other family. In their view, they thought that if someone was appointed who was not from the family of the Holy Prophet then perhaps the people will not obey him, and in this way it will cause disorder within the system. By progeny, it also meant anyone close from his relatives as well, such as his son-in-laws, etc. As a Muslim continues, since people were already accustomed to demonstrating obedience to the family of the Holy Prophet therefore they believed that if someone was appointed from the Holy Prophet's family, they would happily obey him as well. Just like people obey the king, but when he passes away and his son ascends to the throne, they also happily show obedience to him. However, the second group was of the opinion that it was not necessary for this person to be appointed from the family of the Holy Prophet what was essential was that there should be someone who was appointed as a representative of the Holy Prophet Therefore, whosoever was most worthy of this should be appointed. This particular group was then divided into a further two groups. Although both groups agreed on the fact that there should be a representative of the Holy Prophet however, they disagreed as to from which group of the people this representative would be appointed from. One party believed that it should be from someone from among those who remained in the company of the Holy Prophet ﷺ the longest and benefited from his teachings, i.e. the Muhajireen, and even among them it should be the Quraysh, as the whole of the Arabia would be willing to listen to them. On the other hand, the other party believed that since the Holy Prophet ﷺ passed away in Medina and the Ansar had a much stronger influence in Medina, therefore they would be able to discharge this duty more effectively. Nonetheless, there was a disagreement between the Ansar and the Muhajireen. The Ansar thought that since the Holy Prophet ﷺ spent most of his life in an administrative capacity among them in Medina, since there was no administrative structure in place in Mecca, as a result the Ansar thought they better understood how to run a government and therefore they had the rights to Khilafat over everyone else. The second argument presented by the Ansar was that since the area belonged to them, therefore naturally they would have an influence over the people, whereas the Muhajireen would not be able to have the same effect over the people. That is why they thought that a vicegerent of the Holy Prophet ought to be from among the Ansar as opposed to being among the Muhajireen. On the contrary, the Muhajireen thought that they have spent the longest time in the company of the Holy Prophet whereas the Ansar had not spent as much time with the Holy Prophet. Therefore, their level of understanding of the faith was more than the Ansar. With regards to this, the Muslim world writes, The other people were still pondering over this disagreement and had not yet reached any conclusion when the final group of the Ansar gathered in the courtyard of the Banu Sa'ida and began discussing the matter. They concluded that Sa'ad bin Ubada, who was from among the leaders of the Khazraj tribe, should be made the Khalifa. Thus, the Ansar conferred among themselves, saying, Since the land as well as all the properties belong to us, therefore it would be best for Islam if the Khalifa is chosen from among us. Hence, they decided that there was no one more worthy for this task than Sa'ad bin Ubada. Whilst they were still discussing the matter, some people from among them asked that if the Muhajireen rejected this proposal, then what would happen in such a case? One person from among them said, Then we will tell them, 
Minna Amir and Minkum Amir, i.e. one leader should be elected among us and one leader should be elected from among you. As Saad was a very wise man, he said, this would be the first sign of weakness on our part. The person they wished to appoint as the Khalifa from among the Ansar said, this would be the first sign of weakness and that the Khalifa should be either from among the Ansar or the Muhajireen. To say that there will be one leader elected among us and one leader elected among them demonstrates that one has not understood the meaning of Khilafat. This is equivalent to causing a division within Islam. Subsequently, when the Muhajireen became aware of this discussion taking place, they went there swiftly. Hazrat Umar stated, and this has been mentioned previously, that he along with Hazrat Abu Bakr and a few Muhajireen went there. They believed that if the Khalifa was not from among the Muhajireen, then the Arabs would not obey him. This would not be the case of only Medina, but in fact the whole of Arabia. Undoubtedly, the Ansar were dominant in Medina. However, all of Arabia recognized the grandeur of the people of Mecca and held them in high regard. Thus, the Muhajireen knew that in such a time, if the Khalifa elected was from among the Ansar, then it would pose a major issue for all the Arabs, and it could be that most of them were unable to succeed in this trial. Therefore, all of the Muhajireen gathered there, and among them were Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Umar, and Hazrat Abu Ubaidah. Hazrat Umar says, I had prepared a powerful speech, and it was my intention to deliver this speech. Subsequently, the Ansar would understand my arguments and would be compelled to elect a Khalifa from among the Muhajireen as opposed to the Ansar. However, when we reached there, Hazrat Abu Bakr stood up to address them. I thought to myself, how will he manage to speak about anything? By God, Hazrat Abu Bakr mentioned everything that I had thought of saying. In fact, he even presented further arguments in favor of the Muhajireen. It was at that point I realized that I could never compare myself to Abu Bakr Thus, the Muhajireen stated that given the situation, it was vital for the Khalifa to be from among the Muhajireen and also presented the Hadith of the Holy Prophet Al-A'immatu min Quraysh that your leaders ought to be from among the Quraysh. He also mentioned the fact that the Muhajireen accepted Islam first and mentioned many of the sacrifices they undertook for the faith. Habab bin Munzir Kharraji opposed this and said, We do not accept that the Khalifa should be from among the Muhajireen. But if you do not agree to this and insist upon it, then there is no option but to elect one leader from us and for you to elect one leader from among you. One Khalifa would be from among us and one Khalifa would be from among you and in this way we can resolve the issue. Hazrat Umar said, Ponder again over what you are saying. Are you not aware that the Holy Prophet said that it is not permissible to have two leaders appointed at one time? Hazrat Muslim writes, From the Ahadith, it seems that the Holy Prophet had made interpretations that indicated towards the institution of Khilafat. However, during the lifetime of the Holy Prophet it never occurred to the companions. The reason for this is the divine wisdom that Hazrat Muslim mentioned in the prelude to this incident. Nonetheless, Hazrat Umar said that the demand for there to be one leader elected from among the Ansar and one to be elected among the Mahajireen was irrational as well as unlawful from the perspective of the Islamic Sharia. How then was Hazrat Abu Bakr elected? After a brief discussion, Hazrat Ubaidah stood up and reminded the Ansar that they were the first people to accept Islam outside of Mecca. And now, after the demise of the Holy Prophet they should not be the first people to make changes within the faith. This is said to have such a profound impact on the people that Bashir bin Saad Khazraji stood up and addressed his tribe by saying, They are speaking the truth. When we pledged to support and assist the Holy Prophet it was not for any material gain. Nor did we follow him so we could get governance after him. On the contrary, we followed him for the sake of God Almighty alone. Therefore, it is not a question of whose right it is to be a leader or a khalifa. Rather, it is a question of what does Islam require. The khalifa should therefore be from among the muhajireen, because they have spent a long time in the company of the Holy Prophet There was further discussion on this for a short while, and after approximately 30 to 45 minutes, 
the opinion of the people slowly changed and they accepted that the Khalifa ought to be from among the Ansar. Hazrat Abu Bakr then suggested the names of Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Ubaidah for Khalifa. Hazrat Abu Bakr himself suggested the two names that they ought to perform the bet at the hands of either Hazrat Umar or Hazrat Abu Ubaidah. However, both of them refused and said that they will perform the bed of the one whom the Prophet appointed as Imam during his days of illness and the one who is the best among all the Ansar. With regards to Hazrat Abu Bakr presenting the names of Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Abu Ubaidah for the position of Khalifa, Hazrat Umar himself narrates that there was an excellent sequence to the speech delivered by Hazrat Abu Bakr. He states that everything in the speech was commanding and he did not disagree with anything except that Hazrat Abu Bakr presented his name and the name of Hazrat Abu Ubaidah to become Khalifa. Hazrat Umar says, I swear by God that when Hazrat Abu Bakr presented my name, it would have pleased me more to have my neck severed and die in this manner than to be a leader of a people in which Hazrat Abu Bakr was present. Meaning that the status of Hazrat Abu Bakr was such that it was not possible for him to be appointed as the Khalifa whilst Hazrat Abu Bakr was present. But aside from this, the rest of the speech was articulate. Nonetheless, Hazrat Muslim says, Hazrat Umar then said that they would pledge allegiance to the best among the Muhajireen. This meant that there was no person more worthy than Hazrat Abu Bakr for the position of Khalifa. Thus, after this, everyone began to pledge allegiance to Hazrat Abu Bakr. The first person to pledge allegiance was Hazrat Umar, then Hazrat Abu Ubaidah, then Bashir bin Saad Khazraji, followed by the tribes of Aus and Khazraj. At the time, an atmosphere of such passion was created that the people of Saad, who was ill at that time and could not stand, crawled over him in order to pledge allegiance. Soon after, with the exception of Saad and Hazrat Ali, everyone had pledged allegiance. Even Saad's own son had pledged allegiance. Hazrat Ali pledged allegiance after a few days. According to some narrations, he pledged allegiance after three days, whereas according to other narrations, it is written that he pledged allegiance after six months. In the narrations where it is mentioned that Hazrat Ali pledged allegiance after six months, it is also written that he was unable to do so due to looking after Hazrat Fatima, who was ill at the time. When Hazrat Ali came to pledge allegiance, he offered an apology that due to Hazrat Fatima's illness, he was unable to pledge allegiance earlier. Thus, at the time, everyone pledged allegiance to Hazrat Abu Bakr Hazrat Urwa bin Zubair narrates that at the time of the demise of the Holy Prophet people were in an emotional state and would say that if only they had passed away before the Holy Prophet and that they feared of a descent after his demise. Hazrat Ma'an, the companion who is being mentioned, said, By God, I never wished for this. The people in general desired that they ought to have passed away before the Holy Prophet But Hazrat Ma'an said that he did not wish for this and said, I did not wish to die before the Holy Prophet because I wish to profess belief in the Holy Prophet after his demise in the same manner as I did so during his lifetime. Just as I had accepted the Holy Prophet as a prophet, I wished to profess belief for that system that was prophesied by him that would come into existence after his demise, i.e. to protect Khilafat Rashida that has come into existence and safeguard myself from falling into the trap laid out by the hypocrites and those who left the pale of Islam. Thus, this is the level of faith which every Ahmadi should strive to inculcate within themselves. According to one narration, Hazrat Ma'an was with Hazrat Khalib bin Walid in the army that was sent to suppress the rebellion of those that had left Islam after the demise of the Holy Prophet Hazrat Khalib bin Walid sent Hazrat Ma'an to Yamama ahead of the army alongside 200 soldiers on horseback.
The Holy Prophet established a bond of brotherhood between Hazrat Ma'an and Hazrat Zaid bin Khattab. Both of these companions were martyred in the Battle of Yamama in 12 Hijri during the Caliphate of Hazrat Abu Bakr May God Almighty enable every Ahmadi to understand the rank and honour of prophethood and enable them to demonstrate loyalty and sincerity in their relationship with Khilafat.